You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Mic check. Check, check one. Do I sound good in your headphones? Oh, you sound nice. Okay, good. How about how about me? You sound, I, gr- you sound great. Okay. Okay. Well, Ben Harshine is in the nine. And I got to start that a different way because you deserve a little bit bigger of a. You deserve like a big introduction. <laughs> like, how about a, all that? How about like we do a introduction like uh, a monster truck rally? Let's do it. It's like, all right. <clears throat> I might have to pull the mic back on this one. All right. Ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, where you will pay for your whole seat, but you will only use the edge. Today's guest, <laughs> none other than the Huntera Mapping King himself, Ben Harshine. <sighs> the crowd goes wild, huh? <laughs> Thanks for having me, buddy. We are sitting right here in the... Nine Finger Chronicle Studio, which is just another room in my house, and uh, we're going to be sipping on some some brews. This is a laid back session. Hey, uh, this is day number three for me and you seeing each <laughs> yeah. other. Yeah, three in a row. Three days in a row. We uh, we're probably seeing each other too much. People are going to start talking or something. I mean, is it official yet? Well, do we make it official right here on the show? Here we go. <laughs> We're good friends. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of creepy, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's just let's just clear the air. The uh, Saturday was for work, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then Sunday we were good family men. Yep. And we got our families together and had an awesome Father's Day. Hey, happy Father's Day, man! Cheers, happy Father's Cheers Day. Cheers to you, you too. Uh, and then uh, here we are today doing some nine fingers. We're chronicling. We're chronicling today. Absolutely. All right. So first and foremost, when we did the original 
Like, cause you were a guest on back on the podcast almost over a year ago. One of the very first podcasts that I put out. And since that time, you have had a kid, right? Now I'm a huge, like this bell curve where, you know, on one end you have no kids and you can hunt as it's like an upside down bell curve, right? So right up at the very top, no kids, you can hunt all the time. You know, you get married, that bell curve goes down a little bit and then you have a kid and then that really goes down the peak on the, the other end, the peak. Right? So like the peak is when my peak, like I'm, I'm on approach to my peak because I got a third kid coming. Right. And then the activities will start happening. But as the kids get older, I'll be able to, you know, and they can start wiping their own butts. I'll be able to start hunting a little bit more. There you go. I think you're becoming the master of efficiency though. That's right. Right. That's the goal anyway. Yeah. Using your trail cam is your advantage. So have you seen, is that hold true for you? Um, it, it, it is to an extent, uh, you know, we've got, so this is year three for me in Iowa. This will yep. be, this will be season number three as an Iowa resident. So, um, I hunted a heck of a lot the first, the, the past two seasons, uh, even last year, more so than, than probably what I deserved. Um, but, uh, you know, my wife definitely gave me kind of the, the reins on trying to chase down this deer that, that I have for a couple of years. But on the other hand, uh, you, you know, especially once you get into the grind, which I, I, I think, you know, this, I really celebrate the grind, you know, I like to earn it. I Absolutely. feel like, I feel like, uh, you know, there's been few seasons in my life where I went out and first or second sit, you know, shot the deer I was going after. But, but anyways, uh, um, I just, you start to feel guilty almost yeah. to, to an extent. I, right. I don't know how much that really gets talked about, but it certainly weighs on me when those days are, you know, it just seems like day after day after day and, and, you know, you got obligations at home to an extent, but on the other hand, you know, we look forward to that. We look forward to the fall. We think about it all year and then we right. get this potent one or two weeks that we can dedicate. Right. And then, uh, next thing you know, it's like, man, you know, it starts, starts to wear on you mentally too. And then they, yeah. and then, and then, uh, maybe a deer comes around the corner and, and changes the season really quick. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, for this last year, I ended up harvesting right off the bat, like day two of my hunting season. And even, even within that two day period where I had like four different sets in two total days, I started feeling that a little, you know, man, should I be home right now? Like, am I putting too much pressure on my wife? Sure. And then it's like, wait, I work so hard throughout the entire season where you shouldn't feel guilty mm-hmm. for, for taking that time. But you know that, you know, my, my son and my daughter, when they're on and I'm like talking sassiness level number 10, <laughs> It is absolutely crazy in this house. And then for my wife to do it alone, it's just, it's almost like I'm screwing her over in a way. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. I, I've got, uh, you know, whenever I leave the house and, and, and go visit clients or, or for whatever reason, I get away from the house a little bit. Yeah. Uh, my little guy's 18 months now and he's really starting to, to rip. I mean, he's, yeah. he's climbing over everything. He's talking with you. He's a lot to handle just for K. So, yep. uh, it definitely does wear on you, but, uh, no, it's, it's good stuff though, too. You know, yeah, being being a sure. dad is awesome. So, 
uh, hopefully be able to take our take our boys out in, in the field here not too long from now. Heck yeah, you know? I can imagine it st- it starting off as like a like a shed hunt because your son's name is Jack, Jack yeah. and my son's name is Mac, and just like the Jack and Mac, like I don't know for some reason it sounds like two guys who are going to get into a shit ton of trouble as they get older hang out and uh i don't know it's like mac's gonna probably blame it on jack and jack's gonna probably blame it on mac but really together they're gonna be like this duo that's just gonna probably okay this is the johnson county sheriff's department (laughs) can you come pick up your children (laughs) yeah i mean uh mac and jack are a couple letters away from each other so they're gonna be mixed up in the police reports often (laughs) but uh knock on wood because my uh my wife would crap her pants if that happened (laughs) but you have, and you met, you just hinted to it a little bit, like five minutes ago, and this story of a buck that you call pork doesn't seem to want to die. <laughs> and first off, I want to talk to you a little bit about this particular buck, pork. Give a, because you've you've been on as a hunter profile on this podcast too, and we talked about. Um, this buck named pork that you've given the name pork to. So what I want you to do is give a really quick from the beginning till mm-hmm. what happened in April yeah. type of scenario real fast. And then let's slow down and talk to uh, talk in detail about what your goals are for this upcoming season. Okay. Uh, so moved to Iowa in the, in September of 2014, uh, was not a, a resident long enough to get a resident tag so my first season was the fall of 2015 and uh, the house that my wife and I bought my parents were were in town we were they were visiting we were working on the basement of the house and and it was right at the end of September beginning of October so uh, October 2nd would have been my my first sit in an Iowa tree as a a resident and as a not I mean I I never hunted Iowa as a non-resident so my dad was with me, and it was kind of fitting because, you know, the guy that introduced me to, to hunting is there. I'm like, we got the perfect wind for right. for one of these uh, double sets that I hung. And um, just a beautiful night, and we're, we're seeing deer come out into the soybean plot, and, and uh, we hear this thrashing, and you could kind of see we – were, we were hunting this inside corner, and on the other side of the draw, you could see legs – and, and the cedar tree just moving back and forth right. and, and, and the deer it was steps out and it's probably, uh, I mean, right off the bat, fully mature, I'm saying five plus right. pot bellied pig of a buck. And that was in 2000, 2015, 2015. Okay. Yep. 2015. Um, probably, a I would say, a, a low sixties deer, awesome, just an awesome high clean 10 point. And, um, he never, you know, I'm thinking on one hand, if this deer comes past, there's no way I'm going to shoot him or I, there's no way I'm going to pass. Him. Right. But on the other hand, I, uh, here I am mo- moved to Iowa. I'm looking forward to putting a full season in. So yeah. he did not come into range. Uh, and my dad's nickname is pork and that's, that's a story in of itself. But I thought of kind of fitting to name this deer pork. And right. some people are like, well, that's kind of weird. You want to kill the buck that you named after your dad, but it's, in, it's the honor of the beast, man. That's honor, right. you know, it's honor, a, the beast. honor, honor, you know, you got to honor the deer and, and uh, honor my, uh, the guy who 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 introduced me to the woods. So, 
Um, but anyways, uh, six encounters in 2015 with him. Man. Uh, the closest would have been November uh, 11th. Dad and I were scheduled to go to Kansas, and I, I sat Iowa in the morning, and I had to be in the truck heading to Kansas by noon. And um, at 11 o'clock, I came to full draw on him, and he needed about two more steps. But uh, the, the wind just wasn't uh, wasn't quite right for me. He knew something wasn't quite uh, quite right, and, and uh, he took off. Um, and then I never did get a crack at him for the rest, rest of the season. I think November 11th would have been maybe my third encounter with him, and then I saw him three more times after that or two more times after that. Uh, and, then he, and then he basically disappeared kind of after um, – I don't have a ton of food on the property that I hunt, so uh, in uh, he he disappeared. I, I ran cameras all summer, never did uh, never did get them, um, and then I, I switched in in September. I switched to yeah. to scrape setups, um, and it was just really neat. Uh, the The first picture I got of him was uh, the very first picture I ever got of him was October tenth. 2015 at 10:30 at night on a on this scrape and uh, and wouldn't you know it he shows up in 2016 october 10th at 9 30 so Man. three 365 days and, and one hour earlier he shows up and and what's really crazy is that's the only time he, he hit that scrape and that was it he made his introduction and he never visited that scrape again and i don't think i boogered him up uh the previous year he wasn't hitting the scrape that often e- either um but I knew that he was still alive. Right. And then I was getting sporadic pictures of him on the south end of the farm and on the west end of the farm. Um, so that leads into the 2016 season. I I set a stand in the off season in this really thick kind of uh, set of brushy spurs that come off the off the neighbor's pasture. I call Dark Hollow. And it was just a really thick, nasty part of the farm. Right. Really tough to get into. So I never ran cameras there. In fact, I didn't hunt that first year there. Um, well, in the summer, I, I did hang a, a flyer, you know, rut stand, thinking yeah. it would be a good spot. And, and, and this ended up being the stand that I sat November 4th, 2016, thinking, okay, if I'm getting pictures of pork on the south end and the west end, this is kind of in the middle of the deal. So uh, I went in there on November 4th, and uh, I saw six bucks by, man, by about 9 o'clock. It was, they were really moving well. And... Uh, the wind completely switched on me. We had an east wind, and then at 10, 1030, it turned out of the west. I knew I had to get home and make some, uh, get back to work. So as I'm letting my bow down, here he comes around the corner. And and he's on the trail. That My wind's going on. Yeah. In hindsight, I, I know that I panicked, and I, I knew he was going to hit that trail, so I thought maybe I could get him off of it with a, with a grunt. And uh, it, it he did. He, he was interested in that. He just didn't. He didn't come straight up the hill. He continued to circle and use the wind as advantage. Caught a whiff of me, um, but then he just kind of carried on. He didn't totally blast out of there. He crossed the, the creek and, and just kind of continued on. <clears throat> so November 6th, um, we had a southeast wind, and so I, I hung at the north end of Dark Hollow. It's 14 acres, just a, a block, and uh, I hung at the north northwest corner, and he came. He was the first deer I saw, 7 in the morning, came right up the ditch, just he was in bow range, but he was in too too thick a cover. Yeah. Um, and knowing that I boogered him up with a grunt thirty six hours ago, I didn't grunt at him, and he right. just I sat the rest of the day for him, never saw him. Uh, the very next day, the wind was going to be variable, uh, not much speed to it. So I, I I brought a lone wolf in with me, thinking, okay, if I, if I get get to that first stand I encountered him on the abyss, if the wind is getting weird, I'm going to just going to run and gun. Right. Later on into the morning. Well, right. 
um, as I'm walking down the, the, the creek bottom, there's this opening and, um, it's almost like a family room about the size of a family room as I've been describing it. And, and just intuition hit me. It may sound cheesy or cliche, but it, I've trusted my gut in the past when these things happened with me, which like something telling me right now, just do this, you <laughs> right, know? So, right. and, and, uh, you know, I, I knew right then I was just going to hang a stand right there. And I, I remember looking to my left and, and, it was full moon, so I could see this split in the tree. It was like perfect. Right. Okay, I can hang without a, uh, even putting a flashlight on. Yeah. Got up in there, uh, and by 8.30, um, he was right in front of me with a doe. Uh, they came off this flat. She button-hooked in right into that family room, and he wanted to head out of the creek bottom. And, of course, the wind is going down that creek bottom. Yeah. And uh, uh, he just he shook me up big yeah. time. And finally, uh, once she dropped down into the creek and he lost sight of her, uh, he couldn't handle that. He came came out, and if I would have gave him two more seconds to bury that pin where I needed to, yeah. Uh, but I was I was at full draw for a long time. He picked me out, and mm-hmm. they basically stared at each other for what seemed like a minute. You right. As um, soon as he hit that opening, I let it go, and I just initially, boom, he's just bleeding immediately. Right. And I'm thinking, okay. It was not a gut shot. I'm thinking liver. Right. He ran about. He, he he bounded like maybe four or five times and looked back, and and blood's coming out of him real good. And then he just kind of carried along the contour of that, of that that crick bank. Yeah. Um. And that's when basically I, I waited there for two hours listening for him. Uh, got down, got my arrow, slipped out of there, and then I called you. Yeah. Um. Called you and and Casey. Uh, you guys came up and and uh, helped me track him. Uh, really were hoping to find him. We thought maybe we were based off of where I thought I hit him. Um, but then we found out later on, uh, you, you know, that night we lost blood. Casey went back in with me and we ended up bouncing him. Right. Um, and, uh, and that was basically the end of, of chasing pork for the rest of the rest of the 2016 season. We bounced him. Casey said he looked, uh, he looked, he said, dude, he looks healthy as a horse. And, yeah. and, and I got pictures of him 12 days later with a, just a nice clean, uh, hole in him, uh, and it was high. It was yeah. in that no man's land backstrap above the spine. You yeah, think? Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if it was a no. It was not. A, I don't believe it to be above the spine. Um, but it was definitely just in his probably really close to it and just yeah. solid meat. Yeah, I might have nicked the liver with finding a couple of those black spots of blood. Right. Um, but obviously didn't do enough damage to him to, for him to die, but I never did get a picture of him on any of my late season food sources. And, and then I saw, started to kind of wonder, yeah. uh, so, uh, that leads into the off season. And, um, I, I was, before we get into that yeah. though, I want to ask once you realized that pork had been hit and then he disappeared from trail cameras and you went shed hunting and you didn't find any sheds of his, uh, trail, no trail camera picks. What was going through your head as a hunter of a buck that, you know, you spent so much time obsessing about? Um, I was pretty much coping with it's time to move on. Yeah. You know, uh, it was fun. It's one of the reasons why I selfishly, you know, moved out here. Um, not only for the business, but for, for these whitetails and, and yeah. to put together stories like this. So I was totally fine with understanding, you know, what it, what does it mean to really commit to one animal? Yeah. Um, and, and obviously I saw the, the kind of the dark side of that where, yeah. you know, it's not a, a fairy tale ending. 
Um, but I had no regrets. I mean, he, t- he taught me more than any deer that I've ever hunted so far. And uh, we had a, quite a journey, and he definitely made my heart pound again this past year. So uh, the fact that I, I didn't get pictures of him, I, and I thought maybe he did vanish, I mean, I've heard too many stories of, of, of people going through the same thing, yeah. and, and then a deer that deer shows back up in their life in the most you know opportune times, I guess. But right. uh, on the other hand, there weren't many signs pointing me to him believing right. he's still around absolutely uh, so it it was what it was i i wasn't um like bumming or anything like yeah. that but i i definitely realized that i need to uh when i get you know put myself in in, in a position of being able to uh, you know get a crack at my my goal of the season um I'm going to have to change some things fundamentally from a shot perspective or from a mentality perspective right. so that I don't keep going down this path. Right. And that's that led me into, you know, ditching the, the trigger release and trying to reteach myself how to shoot, get get somehow get this target panic or buck fever out right. of me. And uh, you and I were talking yesterday. Yep. It's, you know, there could be a 180 that just comes, came out of nowhere and into my life. And I probably would have been a lot more calm with that deer as opposed to watching this buck would have been encounter number 10 right. for two seasons. I you know, watched him for 20 minutes. He knew I was there. Yeah. And it was just an intense scene. So, yeah. uh, But then again, I, I could never replicate that with any other experience in life. And that's what that's that's the good stuff, you know. Right. So, uh, yeah, going into the off season, I'm thinking, okay, maybe it's time to move on. And uh, talking with my landowner's daughter. And she, uh, she said, oh, yeah, I was, I was down, uh, I was looking for morels the other day, and this is April 12th. Yeah. I was looking for morels the other day, and, and uh, I bounced a big buck. And, and I said, really? You know, where was it? And she starts describing, and, and, and she was in the creek bottom that right. I, I shot him at. And uh, I said, okay, well, what, what did he look like? And she said, oh, I've lived in Iowa for 37 years. That was a big one. I couldn't, I didn't count his points, but he was sky high. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, that's a pretty good telltale sign. I mean, there's two key pieces of evidence right there. Uh, so I do not have a camera down there yet. Um, I'm still going to wait. In fact, I'm going to wait until it really storms hard and I'm going to try to slip down there and get a camera, uh, in there and just let it soak. But, but there's cows, you know, there's, it's a cattle farm. Right. So I, I just don't know, being that I ran cameras there these past couple of summers and never really caught him mm-hmm. i'm just wondering if when maybe when the crops come out or or there's excuse me there's this fall shift that happens with them physiologically it's yeah. time to move to another another you know uh, another piece of ground and and uh maybe he's just showing up in fall yeah either way uh boy i got my fingers crossed right you know so typically when i talk to someone who's not necessarily a hunter like my, for example my wife Right. And she says, oh, man, I saw a really big buck down here on the corner, uh, you know, coming coming into town. And I said, oh, yeah, how big was it? Oh, yeah, it was it was really big. And people don't necessarily who they don't know how to describe a buck if they're not in a tree stand hard, like compared to sure. a hardcore hunter. Sure. So with that said, do you think based off of what she saw and what how she described it do you think it could possibly be pork i i do honestly uh, i want to believe it for sure but i also you know trying to take my bias and my emotions out of it i still do think it could be him mm-hmm. um 
that's just a part of the farm that I really haven't spent much time on. I treated it almost, almost like a sanctuary. Obviously, yeah. I hunted it this past year, so it's not technically one, but I didn't spend much time down there, and it's super secluded. Yeah. Um, and just her describing it seemed like, I mean, she grew up on this farm. Right. She's seen some big deer, so. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that he's still holding it's, both yeah, so antlers we on didn't a, even, <laughs> April 12th. Yeah, we didn't even address the craziest part of that story. Is, that it, is, is it this, this, you know, this deer, whether it's pork or not, is still carrying up. April twelfth, and if it is him, well, he took a he took a, a broadhead, you know, months beforehand, which you know a lot of times these deer stress they'll drop early, yeah, and clearly it just didn't phase him. So, uh, the quest continues, man, and it, that <laughs> not quite sure what I'm going to do this fall. Yeah, you know, it'd be it's, nice to. So, do you have an approach towards this piece of property that you have? Because as hunters. I think part of the fun that we have every every year is daydreaming and planning and putting together some kind of strategy so that when the season does come that we know what we're going to do for you know either a hit list or a specific buck or if you're hell if you're just a guy who likes to go out and hunt the first thing that walks by your stand we kind of have a we kind of have a plan that's been put together for us we, we daydream about that is that something that you do and is that kind of is it affecting it, how you approach the same piece of property compared to other years mm-hmm. uh i definitely daydreamed or, or dreamt about mm-hmm. you know finally catching up with this one deer that i'm chasing or these couple deer that i i have history with um this past year it was pork or bust there was and there was really not even running cameras uh i, I in almost full confidence I could not find another five-year-old. Right. Um, and, and, and pork this past year would have been six at least, uh, coming into this season seven, you know, plus. Um, however, there were two deer, well, actually three, uh, and I'm not quite sure the age. Uh, one of them could have been a four-year-old last year. I think both right. of them, two of the three uh, were just really, really nice three-year-olds. Um, so I, I don't know, you know, going into this coming season, um, I'm going to kind of reevaluate what, uh, what other mature deer are there. Right. Um, because I, I know that if, if pork shows up, I'd like to give him everything I, I have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know in the past two years what that's taken yeah and, and also the toll that that's taken on maybe my business or my family too yeah so just to be totally realistic and not you know hector macho camacho and say it's pork or bust for another year right. uh, i'm gonna do everything i can if he is still alive to kill him mm-hmm. but then again if i've got a you know if i've got a five-year-old deer that comes past or a, just a, a solid buck that comes past yeah uh, my stand man I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna shoot him yeah you know, i i i want to kind of kind of get back to that as well so right. um I really enjoy hunting and, and it's, you know, I don't want a, a specific deer to kind of take me away from maybe some of the other, the other joys of it, you know, right. but on the other hand, I mean, it was, it was a blast to chase him. I just yeah. put, I probably put 40 sits in for him, right. you know, and that, that adds up. <laughs> I tell you what, I, and I'm just going to play devil's advocate here a second. I've told you the story about this buck I called shipwreck, right? I, I was hunting this buck for four or five years this was before I was married, right? So I could put in a shit ton of time in the timber chasing this particular buck. I had several encounters with him over those years. 
And every season I said the exact same thing that you just said, where it's like, Hey man, I'm going to, if a, if a solid buck walks by, I'm going to shoot him. However, but you didn't exactly. I mean, <laughs> I find myself, this is from a look standpoint, I'm, I'm pointing at one of the uh, bucks on my wall. It's one of the biggest, but this is the biggest buck just by looks that I have ever shot. Now I passed deer similar to this on a yearly basis because I was after shipwreck and I look back on that and I, I don't want to say I regret it because I learned a, a ton from just like you and pork and me and this shipwreck buck, you learn a lot. These, these, they give you an education, but I look back and I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know if I really regret not shooting some of these, these deer that walked by or, I absolutely love the fact that I it's been, you know, it's been five years and I'm still talking about this buck, right? Mm-hmm. That I didn't even kill and how much of an education it gave me and how much. So it's one of those things where it's like you sit on this balancing and it's probably going to depend on the day, you know, it's like, oh, here comes a 150 class 10 pointer walking by your stand, really good buck. But you got show camera pictures the night before of pork using the exact same you know trail and scrape and you're like oh what do i do yeah so yeah yeah it is and and i mean it is easy for us to lay out these scenarios right and 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 come come november uh who knows that who knows what's going to be running through our our uh uh, sleep deprived minds (laughs) (laughs) and that's that's funny because uh, every year I got I got my trail stand or trail camera set up and I got my tree stand set up. I'm you know for somewhat I'm 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 ready for the season, and then just like this last season, I did not hunt one pre-hung tree stand the entire you know. So you got this plan put together, and then yeah, sometimes you use that plan, and then sometimes it's just run and gun sure. all year long, or you know, or hell, you get you're driving to your stand and you see a you know a piece of property that you've never you haven't hunted in the past three years but you have permission to and there stands a shooter buck in this field or something like that Mm -hmm. and you're just okay now you got to switch everything from what you thought you were going to do to this next i don't know the the chase i guess you want to put it yeah yeah you've got to be able to have the options out there to adapt Mm -hmm. and and you know i've got i've got just this chunk of the farm tweaked and yeah. ready to go for him and, and you know I, I mean i wouldn't be surprised if all of a sudden you know he shows up on the other end of the farm consistently now yeah and it, where i've got nothing going on you know yeah. and it's just it, it's the chess match but it's good to have options like that too to be able to to always go after uh maybe a good deer that that you want to that you want to get so i don't know it's it's exciting to start running camera soon i know that yeah. and, and see kind of what what these deer that i passed last year what do they turn into so now I got another question about this property that you hunt. But before we get into that question, I just want to send out a reminder to let everyone know to please sign up for the Lone Wolf giveaway. Please go and visit the URL lonewolfhuntingproducts.com slash nine fingers. And uh, by visiting that website, you will be able to enter your name your email address, 
and you will be entered in to win one of several prizes that are going to be given away this summer. Um, an alpha, a climber, an assault, and a set of sticks. And we're going to be doing that uh, July 1st, August 1st, September 1st, and October 1st. Um, and uh, we're going to be get, starting to give away some Lone Wolf products at the end of this month. Now, uh, also, when you sign up, you automatically get a discount code uh, for Lone Wolf hunting products. And that discount code is $50 off all orders of $199 or over. So that's roughly um, roughly 25% off um, based off those numbers. Or I'll just give you the code right here. It is 9F. C five zero. So go visit lonewolfhuntingproducts.com slash nine fingers. That's the number nine followed by the word fingers. Sign up for the giveaway and receive the discount code so you can save uh, a good chunk of money on lone wolf tree stands and other accessories. So uh, there's that. Now let's get back into this podcast with Ben. Previously, you... Uh, you you plant food plots on this piece that you hunt. Now, I want you to talk to me because you shared with uh, me kind of your food plot strategy. And last year you had like, what, three or four different food plots, and now you're dropping that down and making a couple bigger. Tell me, you know, go into detail about that and tell me why you decided to do that. Uh, well, I yeah, so the, there were there the first year i planted three Mm -hmm. and i wanted to maximize the amount of food that i planted so this the the next season which had been 2016 i planted four food plots and and with the the way the crp contract is you can plant 10 percent uh of that acres that's allotted in crp back into food plots right so if there's 10 acres of crp you can put one acre of food plots in um I thought it would be a good idea to scatter uh, plots throughout the farm, which would include putting food plots on the edges of the farm yeah. and, and trying to draw in as many deer as possible. Um, but I found that that was working against me specifically, and it won't work against people all the time. I mean, more food technically is, is better, I guess, uh, for, for the most part. But, right. but um, from an access perspective, the, these plots, I mean, they, they looked good on paper, but they really w- weren't ideal for my limited access options. Um, as far as the strategy of, of what I planted, um, I, I, I initially planted soybeans and they, they did not do well. I, I, the very first year I hired, excuse me, somebody to, to, uh, plant them or drill them in. Right. No, no till the soybeans and they came up awesome. Yeah. The next year I said, okay, well, I want to do this on my own and, and really just piece together, you know, <laughs> yeah. and really earn it. Right. And, and, and I, you know, after borrowing equipment and, and piecing things together, I finally got these, these beans in, but it just didn't come up the, the same. Right. Um, and the, the deer hammered them. So I, uh, I allotted basically, you know, two acres I was going to come back and put into, uh, a, a brassicas mix. So your right. radishes, your turnips, your, um, you know, your big leafy bulbs and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, um, when Casey and I went there to plant, it was like, dude, we're just going to turn everything over and start from scratch because yeah. you're 
a lot in some of this acreage to beans that don't even have pods on them anymore. Yeah. So, so anyways, we did pure brassicas. Um, and if anybody has ever, I'm, I'm, I would be interested to hear other people's take on this, but, uh, that farm hasn't had brassicas on it for a long, for uh, at least for a while. Yeah. I'm not sure how much that deer, that deer herd is used to eating big bulbs that are growing out of the ground. Um, it took a long time for them to, to get on and realize that that was a palatable food source. Right. Uh, uh, bulbs like that, you know, with your turnips and, uh, and, and radishes, they'll sweeten after, uh, the ground freezes as, as you know, last November was really warm. Right. Uh, we didn't really get a hardcore frost to start to change the chemical composition of those things. And, and it just, I really didn't have much action on those food plots until December. So going into this season, I figured, you know what, I'm going to simplify the game here. I know these two food plots are phenomenal from an access perspective, mm -hmm. and I'm going to just take the acreage that I dedicated to the other ones and put them into these two. Right. So I'm going to double down on both the sizes of these. I'm still going to have options for every wind direction and kind of different parts of the farm. So to me, two is better than four. Right. Um, so we planted, uh, we went back and no-tilled uh, beans in this, this past uh uh, a week and a half ago and and then the other plot is is mainly corn which would be my first time ever hunt, hunting corn, hunt, hunting corn plot yeah uh, and then part of it will uh, be some sort of winter green mix like the the radishes again i think right. so uh always i'm at this point i'm i'm just learning when it comes to this food plot stuff i mean i hunted for a really long time yep um but kind of a classic tim deep timber big woods bow hunter that hunted travel patterns and not food patterns. Right. Um, absolutely. So I'm, so I'm still learning when it comes to this stuff. Right. So did last year when you had those four different food plots, did any of your access routes go through some of those food plots? Uh, maybe you're trying to get into a, uh, a deeper stand location for like, let's say a, a travel corridor and you had to go through those, um, food sources to get to that tree stand and potentially blow some deer out did did that ever happen with you yeah th <clears throat> so this the, the the timber edge is is not super thick mm -hmm. and that's one thing that kind of worked against me a little bit yeah um i i didn't necessarily i didn't walk through any other plots to get out of you know to to leave the hunting scenes um that night but the way that my access is I'm walking around draws or I'm walking. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's not a consistent truck to the stand straight line. That's right. a perfect wind right. scenario. It's just, that's just the, 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 the situation that, you know, the cards that I've been dealt with, with this, but, um, <clears throat> as far as the thin kind of that thinner, less thick timber edge. Well, especially when those leaves came off the trees, if some, I'm approaching maybe one of my stands, that I'm going to hunt like even on, you know, I killed my buck on, on New Year's Eve, but I hunted um, when the leaves were off earlier that in December. And uh, I learned pretty quick that some of those does were bedding up tight against that those food plots. Okay. In, into the timber, maybe, maybe 15, 20 yards, not far. So obviously, if they see a guy coming through an open area, I mean, they, they can see as, as clear as day out there. And that right. worked against me. So I did change up. Uh, the way I was accessing it, even for the end of the season there, and that, that helped me with the buck that I patterned right. um, late. But, um, you know, you, you have to, you really have to consider how you're getting out of out of it. Because right. you can, and you can have a nice, big, beautiful food plot right in front of you. 
with 20 deer, you know, there. Absolutely. But, but if you're getting out and you're blowing them out, I mean, that you're only going to have 20 deer in front of you one or two nights, you, you know. So, yeah. Um, it's it's uh, it's trickier than than what it seems. Right. Uh, so then, you know, you, you you got your food plots. Your plan anyway is you got the plan. You got some of your food plot planted already. Pl- plots planted already. Then, are you gonna go in and start hunting right away in October first, or are you going to? let that be determined 100% by trail cameras. Uh, I'm going to lean really heavy on the trail cameras this year. Yeah. More so. Uh, my time is even more valuable at this point as opposed to burning out a farm, right. hunting it hardcore right. a- anymore. I'm really, I am going to force myself to back off and use those cameras to my advantage. Um, and just follow the weather. Right. I, I've, I've seen these past two years, when I hunted, like I, I know in 2015, we had some sig- some serious cold fronts come through. It seemed like almost three Fridays in a row. It was like yeah. bam, cold front into the weekend. Yeah, one, two, three solid days of hunting, and yeah. I was seeing mature bucks moving. Right, uh, it was it was awesome. So I am gonna follow. I, I am gonna follow that uh, to an extent as long as I can find a buck that I'm uh, I'm interested in. Right, um, but I, I don't want to just burn this farm out. Um, you know, and, and I want to have some less high quality hunts, right. less hunts, but higher quality. Ones. Right. Absolutely. <clears throat> that's my goal for this year. You know, and that seems to be a trend that is happening through, you talk to guys who are successful whitetail hunters. And when it comes to mature deer, I'm seeing that, you know, there are the, the handful of guys that go out and grind and grind and grind and grind where they're hunting 45, 50 days in a row, or, you know, to, to kill a deer. But I, I'm starting to see a trend of these guys who are hunting five, six days in an entire season. They're either managing their trail cameras or they just know when to go based off of, of historical information. And, and they're, they, there's no need to put in a 25 day, you know, hunt unless you are consistently getting trail camera pictures and it's, you know, a lot of hunting is also, you know, got to be in the right place at the right time. And this buck has to walk within shooting range of this stand location on this wind, you know, and it, it becomes, I don't know, like, uh, a roll of the dice at some point as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, <clears throat> We can take all kinds of notes, but at yeah. the, like you said, at the end of the day, I mean, you've got to be there. Yeah. And and that deer is not going to have necessarily the same schedule. Absolutely. You know, is what you anticipated mm-hmm. to. That being said, I've got a pile of notes now from trail camera photos, 10 encounters, um, and, and just staring at these maps, trying to get an idea of when this deer likes to move. Right. And, 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 and why he likes to move. Um I've done that with pork and I've also done that with a couple of these deer that I've, I've passed this, this last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and man, they gave me a lot of good evidence. So it's, it's interesting now I'm coming into year three where I actually have some notes that I'm taking. Yeah. I'm going to try to put that to the test as far as, okay, you know, not even necessarily from killing them, from getting that first picture again. Right. Where, where am I going to anticipate right. he's going to show up? So right. 
Uh, man, it's fun though. It's oh. it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I tell you what, it, it's a next level of hunting. Yeah. It, it really or next level experience of hunting. Right. Is um, part of me wants to experience you know going out west and and just roaming and, and going deep into yeah. into elk country and and you know that style of hunting. In fact, I, I'm I'm going to do that this this year with my dad in New Mexico. We're going to go on a a bow hunt with uh, for elk in New Mexico, northern New Mexico. But having these history with these deer, man, yeah. is, is a lot of fun. Right, and and it's so cool. It's rewarding. Yeah, and the thing that I like about it is little characteristics of antlers or a tear in the ear, and you can be like, even if it's not, even if it's a small deer or maybe has unattractive traits, so to speak, you can look at it and just be man that's so that's old charlie you know hey charlie (laughs) yeah you're still a 10 pointer you got a little bigger but you know you're not you're not a shooter yet maybe next year or oh man look at the jump that pete made you know whatever yeah Uh, that's i love doing that and then with the trail cameras that adds just another level to it to say oh well now not only do i recognize pete i recognize that pete has been here and he's been here and he's been here so that the third year of trail camera pictures of Pete, I can start, you know, yeah. I know where Pete's been yep. and I know where Pete goes. And that, that to me is just like the ultimate type killer. I don't know what killers do. Sure. You know, take it to that next level. Sure. So Huntera, right? You're, uh, you and your wife own Huntera maps and, uh, but, You've been on the podcast before and we've talked about it, but for the people who don't know about Huntera, let's give a little high level of what Huntera is and what do you, what do you do? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, Huntera, we, we make custom maps for hunters, uh, farmers, landowners, uh, really anybody that needs to make a decision on land, whether they're, you know, they're buying it, they're farming it, they're planning it, or more importantly, they're hunting it, you know? Uh, we blend aerial imagery with the 3D terrain model. And when you put the two together, not only you're seeing a nice high definition picture, but you're also seeing all of the terrain change as well. Right. And that's really the foundation and that, that Huntera started from, from that idea of me creating terrain inside an image. Um, each map is custom made and the end, the end product is a, is a printed map. So we've got field maps that are waterproof and tear proof. We've got poster maps you can hang on the wall stick stick to the wall or frame yep. we've got magnetic maps uh that you can use to mark stands and cameras and other points of interest um but the 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 the, the goal is to create the best map for your scenario so right. you've got ground that you've got permission to hunt on and we made a map of that ground that you have permission on yep uh we make maps for you know anybody that from from 40 acres to 40,000 acre public yep. hunting land it, it, it's each one is is given the attention to detail to design the map for that specific person's hunting scenario. So, um, yeah, that's that's what we do. Uh, we've had the business for uh, coming on eight years now, right? And uh, uh, it, it allowed us to to move to Iowa here in, in twenty fourteen, absolutely, uh, and, and 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 transform it for, or take it from um, a part time. You know, initially it started as as a hobby in its in its infancy in and I was making pocket chains for hunting season. And as I got busier and busier, Kate came on and she started helping me with the, the front and back end of the business. And, and, uh, and, and then she started to make maps and, yeah. and we just got busier and busier. And, and it got to the point where, um, she left her full time job 
um, that was kind of a dead end street anyways, but I, I had a phenomenal career that, uh, in, in Washington, but, uh, Hunter was just going so strong and we believed in it so much. We said, you know what, we're, we don't have anything to lose. We, we got to go after this. And right. that's, that's when we ended up packing up and moving to the Midwest. And it was, uh, it was, it was tough. Um, it was not, uh, you know, this fairy tale dream. I mean, I can tell you right now that I <laughs> physically would wake up, you know, when we realized we were doing this and, and we were going through the logistics of like, we even sold our house on our own. We, yeah. you know, it just, we're, we're obviously clearly pretty independent people, but, um, at the end of this, I mean, we were, I was waking up in the middle of the night and my body was doing some weird things, man. It was, it was not, Stress a, not will get a, to you, man. Yeah. Like physically getting to me and I'd wake up and my mind would just be in six gear. And I, it was just, um, it, it was tough. There was a lot of things going through my head, but I truly believe this was going to be the best step. And now here we are on the backside of that, right. you know, with a successful business and we're, things are really going well and, and we're loving it out here and you know? you're a three-timer on this podcast and here we go yeah i mean I, there's got I'm, i gotta have the title right for that i don't know i think you're i think i don't i know no one's been on four mm-hmm. but i think there's been people who've been on three so well, i, I want to hang up and then let's get right back okay <laughs> You'll, we'll do a, another podcast yeah. right away i'll go in your living room <laughs> all right but you you said something that kind of caught my attention just there and it was public land. And I talked with a guy about, oh, man, this was a while ago. And he says, well, I don't own any land. I don't need a map. Well, that's shit because <laughs> if, you, if you're a public land hunter, you have more access to land than a guy who only hunts uh, knock on door or has private land more than likely. Unless you're a mil- multimillionaire. You're part owner in those hundreds of thousands of acres that are out there. Right. Um I hear people, you know, and I've hear hear people complain about, you know, oh, I lost my hunting rights here or there or whatnot, and that does suck. I mean, that it would be horrible to 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 lose your hunting property, right. especially one that you've got a lot of memories on. Right. I definitely respect that. Yeah. You know, on the other hand, though, I mean, there's nothing holding you from going out and getting what you want. Right. And that can you can say that in in life in general, not just your hunting, but but when it comes to public ground, um, you know, maybe out of your comfort zone to travel out of the county mm-hmm. that you spent your whole hunting career in, but it's out there to go get. Right. There's some adventure to be had. Right. And, and as far as the, the maps, I mean, man, we, we uh, the, the, the public land hunter benefits from our maps a ton. Right. And, and especially in regards to you know, having maybe some different options of, of public land. You don't know how, the pressure that that's going to get come hunting season. So maybe right. you got two or three that, that you've got an idea. So you're going on a rut vacation or a, an out-of-state do-yourself trip. And you got to have good maps that are going to uh, help point you into the right direction as far as understanding the terrain and the, the, the land features and the cover uh, that is there to be able to attack that ground efficiently. Because maybe you only have a week. Maybe right. you, I mean, uh, so... Uh, I, I think it's, I mean, I take a lot, we take a lot of pride in, in making tools for people to Absolutely. have success. And, um, we do some work with Aaron Warbritton is one of my, one of my buddies from Midwest Whitetail. Mm-hmm. He's a public land hunter and, uh, man, he's, he's a good one. And he's, you know, uh, he's really put our maps t- to the test and being able to, to look at, you know, something that maybe 10,000 acres, 15,000 acres, and literally pinpointing two or three spots that he's going to go 
and try to ground truth and then move on if that's if that's um, right. not of interest to him. And it's really fascinating to hear people kind of use the tools that way, use right. the maps that way, you know, to to have them get the decisions, you know, rolling in their heads. So, right. Um, so speaking of tools, you came up, you came out now with your first digital offering. Can you talk, share with us what that is and how it's, how it's, how it's used in the timber? Yeah. The mobile map is, uh, is, is our first digital, like you said, digital offering. And, uh, essentially what, what it is, is, is the Huntera, uh, the Huntera map designed, you know, for your property or for that public hunting ground, but now it's on your phone. Right. And the beauty about it, about that is that it, it works off of, uh, the, uh, GPS technology, mm-hmm. um, which is completely separate from, uh, cell coverage or, 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 or cellular signal. It's, right. it's not the same thing. And, uh, so even if you don't have cell service, you can still use this. Absolutely. Or, yep. or mobile data. Uh, absolutely. Okay. Yep. In fact, you can, and I, 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 I do it to conserve battery. Uh, I'll actually turn my phone on airplane mode oh, so nice. that my phone is not seeking any other, it's not seeking emails or, or, or text messages or right. anything else. The only thing it's using is that that mobile map and then the gps okay that little blue dot will follow you around wherever you go so we didn't create the app it's it's available it, um it it's uh it's a third-party application that we're creating a file that is able to be ingested into it okay and it's got a couple cool tools you can drop pins for all of your points of interest like your stands your cameras your scrapes your blinds i mean any any point of interest you can mark color uh, group together, label, and you can add attributes. So um, keep all of your inventory in the field there right. uh, with the with the pins, and you can measure distances and areas. Um, that's straightforward, but you can change the units. Uh, so you can you know measure your acreage or your square miles or your yards or your uh, miles or whatnot. And then you've got GPS tracking, which is my f- probably the coolest feature of it all. And basically. Uh, what it allows you to do is it, it, you just start GPS tracking and it, as you walk on, on the farm, it, it'll record that line or that, that, Absolutely. that path. That's funny because you gave it to me to test before you went and sold it. And I thought I was really good at shed hunting as far as covering property. And then I look at, I look down at the map of all the places I've been and notice these huge pockets of places that I, that I missed. So I'm just like, Oh shit, I gotta, I gotta get back in there and, and go cover those specific spots. It's powerful to be able to see. Cause, cause you get an idea. I'm always thinking about scale, you yeah. know, like the scale of a hunting property or the scale of how big that draw really is in the life right. of a deer or whatnot. And, and, uh, and this really helps you with that. Um, my favorite application was after when I hit pork, he went into that thick stuff, as you know, I mean, yep. we were crawling through briars, right? It's pure, it's several ridges of briars. Right. And, uh, and let me, let me just elaborate on this. What he just said of briars, it is multiflower rose thick and nasty. Don't go in there with anything other than like a heavy denim pants, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, because your your shit's getting ripped up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We weren't walking; we were crawling. Yeah, absolutely. I was literally crawling for him. Yeah. And, and uh, I, when you're crawling, you just kind of lose track of where you're at. And that that it's just a, it's a, it's an awesome 
spot because the way that the spurs come off they're just not true east west they've got some kind of curve to them and yep. you lose your orientation there it's just a good safe spot for them and uh, i had the gps tracking just so i could kind of see where i've crawled looking for them the next day right or smelling for them and and uh i was just all through that thing and it's still there were still holes and still gaps but um yeah it's it's interesting to see see that so it is a it's it's our it's our first step into that digital world. Um, it's been received really really well. A lot of people are getting it as an add on to the printed maps. Right. Um, but man, it's nice to be able to use and not rely on cell service. Absolutely. So then, let's see, we mentioned uh, the GPS tracking, but that also plays a like two rules or two rules because not only will it trap you know follow you around the entire time you're let's say going on a shed hunt or looking for a, a wounded animal. Mm-hmm. But it can also be a tool for planning. Talk a little bit about what it what it can do for actually like planning, whether that's food plots or tree stand locations or whatever. Yeah, you can walk the perimeter of a future food plot. Um, you can uh, lay out your entry and exit, uh, and, and what you can do is actually just save that trace. So yeah. so as you you start, you, you either measure or you do the GPS tracking and you record that line. Uh, you can save it then. Right. And you can use that for planning purposes, uh, you know, uh, going forward. Especially, um, it's really nice. I mean, Warbritton was using it for, uh, when, I mean, he's walking sometimes two miles in. It, uh, he wants to he wants to be in the stand and hung uh, an hour before dark. I mean, he's going there at like 3, 3.30 in the morning, right. pitch black. Uh, and he's able to use this on his phone uh, and, and follow the exact path of where he knows he needs to go. He doesn't have fire tax. Uh, I don't even right. know if you can use snake, eye, uh, cat eyes or fire tax in public ground. Like it's probably state by state regulations, but he's using it to be able to set a path. And then he's just following that, with, right. you know, to get in, uh, under the cover of darkness. Um, how accurate is that? Like, f- is it 10 feet, you know, accurate within 10 feet or anything? Do you know that? Boy, it's close enough. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's within feet. Yeah, yeah, it's probably not survey survey grade. Um, at least with our maps, I mean, you can only zoom in so far. Right. Uh, but uh, the GPS capabilities of a smartphone are phenomenal. Right. They're they're good enough unless you're engineering with them. So absolutely, absolutely. So uh, now that you're in the digital world, I mean, is there are you going to continue down the digital type path, or are you going to stick to the bread and butter that's that's some maps? Yeah. Um, the bread and butter of Hunterra is is the uh, the printed products. Yeah, there will always be, no matter how technical. Um, you'd like to hope that hunting doesn't get, uh, you know, so technical down the road that it changes the sport. And some would argue that things already have are starting to change it. Yep. Um, but there's always going to be a need for a high end printed map uh, yep. in, in a in a cabin or a hunting room or. a or, or somebody's house, uh, or to take into the field. And, and, uh, we intend on making those, you know, for the long haul for, for people. So it's awesome to be able to, you know, have tangible, you know, a yeah. tangible product at the yeah. end of the day is, is hard to beat. So that being said, and I, I know that, uh, when it comes to digital products, I mean, we need to stay, uh, we need to stay on the leading edge of that and, uh, not jump into things and try to recreate, tools that are already available right i I, i'm not in in it for that at all i think there's too much of that going on Mm -hmm. um we want to continue to come out with things that are uh innovative so um maybe we move a little bit slower than what other people would like but um we're definitely 
it's on our radar. Absolutely. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, when my computer's not on or I don't have my phone on, I find myself walking in. You made a, a Magna map for me, and I f- find myself just staring at it, like visualizing access routes, visualizing, uh, you know, tree stand locations based off of where I saw signs. So it's just, and it's also just a cool traditional way to I don't know visualize I mean that's how that's how I use it it's one of the ways I use it anyway when you're not on your farm that's the closest step to being there oh yeah Yeah. absolutely and and uh it matters so much to us you look at a piece of property that you start to put together some some time on uh you can really start to put some pieces together it's fun it's a good way to to kind of get away um mentally even right Uh, so well, let's see here. Uh, you're going to New Mexico on an elk hunt with your dad in, in September, right? Yep. Okay. Are you going to Kansas again this year as well? Yep. Going okay. to Kansas. Going to Kansas. Yep. You got Iowa. Yep. I want you to, I don't want to say call your shot, but I want you to tell me, are you, do you feel, if you were going to make a decision right now, do you feel that uh, you're going to launch another arrow at pork? <laughs> I do. You do. I do. God damn. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. I'm gonna err on the side of confidence here. Yeah. Um. I'm gonna give it everything I have if he's still alive to get another arrow his way. Right. And I've. I've. I've been uh, preparing mentally and physically for for one more chance. Right. It's all I ask is one more. And if I mess that up again, so so be it. You know, it wasn't meant. Wasn't meant to be. Uh, Absolutely. But uh, I like my chances for one. You know, if I get one more crack. I tell you what, this. The, the digital age is cool for one thing, and that's being able to share stories from hunters from all over the place. And when you told me that you thought pork was alive in April, I'm just like, I got to see how this story ends. And same with uh, Kenyon and Holyfield, yeah. right? Yeah. And I want to see, I want to see how those two stories end. I, I, it's like a, it's like a a movie, right? You've seen the first two. Now you got to watch the last one to see how the trilogy ends. And this is something that, you know, I don't ever want to kind of, I don't want to stray from, and you and I've spoken about this. I mean, it all goes back to the animal. Absolutely. Uh, And that needs to be celebrated. And and even if I don't kill this deer, man, he's given me a lot. And and he's just a, he's just a monarch of an old white tail. Absolutely. Anybody that would lay eyes on him would appreciate him for what he is. Yep. Um, I, I, I just, I just love thinking about what is he doing today? You know, what's on his mind and it's Mm -hmm. probably things that are pretty simple, uh, but it's survival. And, and it's just, uh, I, I think what's kind of, um, working against me from a killing perspective or, you know, from the, the moment of truth there. Is I'm I'm thinking about that deer in in, in that regard. So it's yeah. kind of a fine line to walk, but um, you know, we go out and we try we try to kill these animals, and we do. I mean, there's we're looking at a, a, an awesome buck that you killed last year. Yep. You know, I got to shun, uh, spend the evening with you. Yep. You know, absolutely. That, that was a lot of fun. But um, the camaraderie the, these animals bring guys together on is is awesome. Yeah. And. Uh, the, the beast has to be celebrated. Right. And it's not always about killing them, at least for me. Um, but man, the quest for them is where it's at. Right. Yeah. They bring a lot of happiness to the hardcore guys like us before the, any shot is even taken on it. Yeah. Right. And even long after the shot. And I just to reiterate something that we all really kind of already know 
is harvesting of the animal is only a minuscule part of the entire journey no right doubt. and and even with these deer hanging on my on my wall that 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 journey really isn't over for them mm-hmm. because as long as I'm alive and as long as I'm able to share the story of the deer or any you know you know like shipwreck I never killed him but I have a story about him. These two deer up here and this one over here, I got. A, I have a story about him. All these sheds, I could tell you where all these sheds were found, and that's a story. And just not only can I tell it, but I know that there's people out there who love to listen to it. Whenever I worked, um, so I used to work at the National Counterterrorism Center. Right. I told you that. Yep. And it was, uh, man, I, I used to work this crazy job, and it was it was late at night. And uh, in fact, this is this is kind of funny, but. I would, there sometimes would be some downtime lately. I mean, I'm talking like midnight, one o'clock, yeah. two o'clock in the morning, there'd be a little bit of downtime and, uh, I would get online and watch white knuckle <laughs> and, and I would, that's where I first learned about you, yeah. you, you know, and, uh, watch your hunts and everything. And it, you know, ironically, the, literally the first human being <laughs> that I meet in Iowa is you and I, you and Iberg yeah, pulling into high V. Yeah, Getting some Chinese. Yeah, and and you know we we meet each other, and now here here we are, you know, uh, talking. But but what I'm getting at is is um I used to work with uh, a couple of the, these we'll, we'll we'll call them uh, older ladies. Yeah. Okay. And uh, man, they, they were they were awesome. They were they were, we were all buddies, and we were a team that would work you yeah. know into the night here and get stuff accomplished. But uh, they didn't have a clue about hunting. Yeah. It, you know, grew up in, in suburban Washington their entire life. Right. Um, hardcore with their career. They, they just didn't, they didn't hunt. They didn't know people that hunted. Right. And uh, I, I was, I would sit here and just tell them stories about, you know, hunts that I've had or, <laughs> or, or even I explained to them, you know, that, that every year a whitetail will shed its antlers. Right. Regrow it and, and carry characteristics that it had in the past. Mm-hmm. If it got injured. Uh, maybe the opposite side antler would, right. you know, so yeah. I'm telling them about, you know, all these different cool things about the beast and, and they're, they're, they're just loving it, you know, <laughs> and that's just another way to, to kind of carry on. It's, it's not all about the kill. Right. It's about the stories that go along with it. Absolutely. And, and uh, I just got a, the biggest kick out of that. And by the time I left, man, they they were like certified QDMA deer steward <laughs> once, you know, <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. It was just, it was a lot of fun to even explain to the non hunter what hunting means to me. And, and next thing you know, I, I, I leave, um, you know, a phenomenal job and opportunity for, for, you know, one in the, the, that kind of pertains to, to land and, and whitetails and, and, and hunting in general and, and, yeah. my, and my passion. They, yeah. they, they got that. They respected that. And, and, uh, they're still asking me today how my seasons are going. That's so, awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I tell you what, bud, I appreciate you driving all the way out here today to the headquarters H- to HQ. And uh, good luck this upcoming season. Hopefully you're on before opening day. We'll get you on again just okay. so you can be the f- the, the first guy to f- have be a four-timer. Number four. Yeah. yeah. I'd appreciate that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, thank you, it's, buddy. It, then I'll have to give you like a little badge. There you go. It says four-timer on it. Yep. Right? Yep. All right. Four-time in the nine fingers. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for having me, Dan. All right, I'm just going to do this now. Um, Huge shout-out to Ben for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much. Huge shout-out to the partners of this podcast, Gearhead, Wasp, Ozonix, Exodus Trail Cameras, Lone Wolf, Ripcord, and Deer Lab. Uh, Please go support those partners uh, because they support me. So 
Shout out to those guys. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And uh, if you got time, go to iTunes, leave a review. Uh, If you like this podcast or if you think it's garbage, you can say that too. (laughs) Uh, Other than that, guys, it's that time of year where we're going to be up in a tree hanging some stands. So if you do, please wear your damn safety harness. Thank you.